Welcome to the Nourishing Place podcast. My name is Kelly Newton. I'm an intuitive spiritual guide on a mission to support the collective in reconnecting with spirit, healing from the inside out, and bridging the gap between the spiritual and physical realms. I will be bringing you interviews, tools, chats, and resources designed to empower you as you expand into who you truly are. I am so excited and grateful that you tuned in today. Let's get started. Today on the episode, I have Marcus Downs with me. Marcus Downs is a gay, spiritual, empathic healer. He is an oncology nurse, co-founder of Impactful Introspection, and a Reiki healer. His core values are growth and love, and he geeks out on all things holistic wellness, books, and queer joy, and he hopes to help others unlearn, heal, and become the best versions of themselves. Being raised deep in the Christian faith in rural Indiana, Marcus knew he was interested in boys from a young age. He shares his story with us about releasing the shame around being gay, navigating Christian faith, society and family telling him that being gay meant he was going to hell, all the way through to unlearning the Christianity he was taught and leaning into who he is, loving himself and expanding into spirituality. Before we jump fully into this episode, it is important for Marcus that you know he deeply cares about the people he talks about in this episode and has forgiven them for the hurt they have caused him. We will be using the term family or people in my family as a general grouping and want to share that since Marcus has opened up about his queerness, his family has grown a lot. Marcus and his family have a loving relationship. And Marcus and I believe that before we are born, we choose our families and several key players in our life. These people and situations and obstacles present opportunities for our soul to grow. And I also want to add that I am going to put a verbal trigger warning for this episode before we begin for derogatory words, homophobia, religious and family trauma. I think it's so important to hear other people's stories. I think there is such power in that, especially when we are in the right place to hear that story. I am so grateful to Marcus for sharing this part of his story with us. All that being said, let's get into it. Hi, Marcus. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kelly. Happy to be here. Yay. So I have known Marcus since he was 13 years old, living in rural Indiana, and I was actually 22 years old visiting his sister. So at that time, he had not come into his queerness yet. And now he's an embodied gay man living in Washington, D.C. He is one of my nearest and dearest, and we often have long chats, and we also pull tarot and oracle for each other. He actually is the one who gave me the book, which, um, which helped me to finally reclaim that term. So we've been a huge part of each other's lives and it always makes me laugh because of our age difference. And now, you know, <laughs> that he's in his twenties um, and I'm in my thirties, you know, we ha- have a really you know, strong and powerful relationship. So I'm happy to have him on here. So Marcus, could you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what it was like growing up in Indiana and trying to figure out your sexuality with all that was going on for you yeah um so i guess hi everyone my name is marcus (laughs) i am a gay man living in dc i currently work as a oncology nurse but i also um am a reiki practitioner i just co-founded a business impactful introspection um that's all about holistic health and wellness i'm excited to be here actually kelly is probably one of the people who got me into this because she introduced (laughs) me to Brene brown and then it was down the rabbit hole yeah, because um, I introduced you to Brene Brown probably when you were like 15, maybe? Yeah, it was yeah. like pretty shortly after we met. And you were like, here, I think this is helpful for you. 
A hundred percent. It was. Um, but yeah, back to your question. What was it like going up as a gay man? Um, so I guess going back, I didn't accept that I was gay or didn't want to accept that I was gay for a really long time. Um, growing up in Indiana, it's pretty conservative and pretty religious. And my family is both of those things. So for a really long time, I just didn't accept it. Being gay was a sin. Being gay was a phase. Um, so for a really long time, it was, you know, going to church, hearing that gay is the root of a lot of different issues. Um, gayness is just a phase. Gay is the devil being inside of you, et cetera, et cetera. Something you could so, essentially choose to get rid of, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um you know, pray the gay way. Yeah. <laughs> it was heard about. I don't think it was ever directly told to me, but again, that was like a big talking point in the broader society. So right. that kind of happened. Um, and then... How moving... old were you, I think, when you like started to like yeah. maybe question am I gay? <sighs> Do you remember? Yeah, so I remember... I've I've had crushes on boys since probably the fourth grade, at least that's okay. the earliest I think I remember. But I think when I really started questioning was probably going into puberty. I was really hoping that it was just a phase that, you know, all of my hormones being out of whack was what was causing me to have so, so much interest in men. Which plot twist, it wasn't. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> yes, yes, we know the truth. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um so I think it was very much through the internet and finding slam poetry and kind of finding a whole different world of gay people and um, people with, I guess, identities that are othered by our larger culture that really allowed me to kind of come into my own and be like, oh, wow, this is something that I can be and a person that I am allowed to exist as. Um so yeah, I think it was probably through that process where I was like, oh, maybe, maybe this is okay. Um, and again, I don't think I fully came into that until college, um, where I still had the whole, um, maybe I'm bisexual or tried to convince myself I was bisexual just to keep the hope alive that I was going to have a wife. Um, How did you feel like when you're growing up? in this, you know, in a, in a Christian, you know, household in Indiana. So the school I'm assuming also wasn't like open. So what was that like for you? Just how did that feel? I think I was just completely compartmented in my brain for such a long time. Cause I remember like gay being used as a slur, like that's yeah. so gay. That's yep. so stupid. That's so gay. Um, or I remember being called soft. I remember like playing on football teams and not enjoying it and then being called like soft or weird or gay. Um, and that was a bad thing, which I just hated. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. Like it wasn't normalized. It was very much seen as othered and unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So I think looking back, I probably felt all sorts of like guilt, shame, all of those like heavy, really messy feelings. But I think because I knew that I wasn't supposed to be that way, I really shoved that down deep. Okay, so it wasn't supposed to be that way, which meant like you thought you could still change it. 
Yeah, 100%. Okay. okay. And I feel like that's a thread throughout much of the, like, my coming out process was the idea that I can think my way into something. I can, I can still have a wife, like I was told I was supposed to. Yeah, very much so. Or I can, you know, if I think it, believe it hard enough. It was almost like I was manifesting. <laughs> if I oh. manifest it hard enough, I can manifest myself to be straight. Changing, like, who you are at your core. <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah. Like, okay. No. <laughs> and now, but, now but you, happen. like, know that you chose this life and this everything. Yeah, okay. exactly. So... Okay, so you leave high school. Everyone in your life still believes that you are a straight person. Yep. Okay, so what happened after that? So in typical gay man fashion, I um, Wait, wait, is there typical gay man fashion? No, absolutely Should we be saying that? Okay. In one of... In one of a few like stereotypical ways that gay men live their life, I excelled in a lot of things. Um, so when I was yes, graduating high school, yeah. <laughs> so yes, when he I graduated, does. sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when I graduated high school, I moved on to college, and um, that was kind of when I started really grappling with my queerness um, and really grappling with okay, I'm away from home. I was like 10 hours from Indiana. So I was very much away from home and I was finally allowed to kind of come into my own, what does this mean about me? Um, and so both religion and spiritual, or spirituality, religion and my queerness were kind of coming into question. Did you find that Yale was a good like like place for that? For queer, yes, for all okay. of it, yeah. Okay, great. Um, okay. For questioning, for accepting all of that, yes, very much so. Um, so yeah, kind of came into question. Up until that point, I had never like kissed anyone, never done anything with anyone until college. Um, I think because I had shoved my sexuality down so deep, I it was starting to come to the surface. Um, so I ended up having my first kiss and sex for the first time um, within the same week in college which was kind of a wild experience. Um, and then after that, I was like, okay, yep, definitely gay. Was that with um, a woman or with That man? was with a woman. Okay. Um, and then shortly after, I had sex for the first time with a man. And so after you had sex with a woman, you were like, okay, no, yep. I am gay. This is the <laughs> final. I cannot com- compartmentalize this anymore. Yes. Okay. Um. And again, I still had a lot of like thoughts or little like nudges being like, maybe it was just that person. Maybe you are still bisexual and it just has to be the right woman. And maybe you're just predominantly attracted to men. And there's still this part of you that could be attracted to women if you find the right woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was still going on, of course. Like it was a long drawn out process. But after I had sex with a man, I was like, oh, wow, this is great and I now understand what desire feels like and I now understand what like true arousal and true acceptance feels like um of course immediately after I was like no this is wrong this is shameful how dare I um all those pre-programmed things that you didn't even ask to be programmed yes exactly all those cultural norms and societal influences that we learn and then have to unlearn right what we learn from our families what we learn from our schools our churches 
yes, all of that kind of came to a head. Um, and then it was finally when I was studying abroad, you know, in an entire other country <laughs> where I was finally like, okay, I'm, I'm gay. That's it. Whatever. Um, of course I was still grappling with shame. I remember waking up and there was, I had a dream that a family member like stamped the word cocksucker on my forehead um, the morning after I had hooked up with someone. Is that something that you heard a lot of like growing up? So yeah, um, from mainly one person in my family member, but some various people, um, again, trigger warning for some crude homophobic language, but, um, like faggot, cocksucker, um, fudge packer, soft, um, I could go on. I'll kind of stop there, but just like in normal everyday conversation, people would be saying these things about just yes. in general. Yeah. Okay. And then referral to like um, a gay man that was being worked for. So kind of hearing those things, those were, you know, deeply embodied words that I associated with who I right. am. So now. there's no way you could be that because right. you would That's be a this horrible thing. as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. And so there was a lot of cognitive dissonance as well with coming out um, because I wanted to be a good person. I wanted to be, you know, loved and accepted by my family. So right. I couldn't be those things. And what you That was dirty and that was yes, gross. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, so, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was I ingrained understand. in you that it was bad. So thus, there's no way that you could do that. And yeah, then when you exactly. did, you were like, this feels so good to me. Immediately that underlying belief pops up oh no and you even had a dream about it which tells how deep it was in your subconscious mind right and then going back to like Brene Brown and shame immediately after that all of the shame boxes all of the cultural societal learnings trying to force you back into the box yeah of no you are small this isn't who you are you're not allowed to embrace this thing that makes you feel whole um stay small stay silent stay quiet um so all shout of out to Brene Brown. Like, truly i'll have to link that book i gave you <laughs> in the show notes too yes um, literally all books ones. by Brene Brown right shout that's so to true Brene too Brown. yeah amazing um so did that yeah. help you like did that having that kind of little bit of knowledge about Brene Brown did you start working with her like stuff again after oh 100 percent I've now read all of Brene Brown's work <laughs> I've listened to both of her podcasts all the way through like I'm a Brene Brown stan. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, I think because I had that knowledge of shame, what was coming up for me, I think I was able to kind of move through that. So thank you, right. Kelly, for introducing me to that. <laughs> yeah, huge. Able to move through it. Um, and then it was kind of still a coming out process and still battling it with shame. But um, about... at this time, were you still considering yourself a Christian? because <laughs> so, you grew up christian going to christian churches i should say yeah right so um, at this time were you just curious like can i be gay and be a christian yeah so that was a big part of my coming out as well um is because so much of my fear of coming out was tied in with you know being christian and not being loved and not going to heaven um, not right. being accepted by God because, you know, being gay means you're going to hell, right. especially if you are choosing to embrace that lifestyle, quote unquote. In the church that you grew up in, right? Yes. Like in that area. And you're, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, 
and again, we had hopped from church to church. So it wasn't like it was one single church that I attended throughout okay. my entire childhood. This was like the general prevailing idea of churches in the area. Okay. Um, so, yeah. And that's, I think, where a lot of my ingrained shame came from is not wanting to accept the fact or not wanting to reckon the fact that the thing that was making me so feel so whole and alive and connected was also the thing that was supposed to be sending me to this like fiery afterlife right. of suffering. Right. Right. So yeah. I was like, yeah. clearly something something feels wrong here. It is, um, yeah. <laughs> so luckily, yeah. Luckily for me, um, growing up in those Christian environments, they had also been very political and very much charged with others other ideas that I hadn't accepted. So I knew that it wasn't as much about Christianity or God or um, what they were trying to say as much as it was a person's interpretation of what Christianity is supposed to look like. Right. That kind of led me to that. So at first, when I was going through all of this, I, you know, I wanted to read the text of terror, all of the different parts of the Bible that talk about um basically why being gay is a sin or why can you explain that so texts of terror is that like something that people say i feel like i don't know yeah so the text i did not grow up christian and i I don't like so i don't know i'm like (laughs) i don't tell me more what is that (laughs) yeah and again i'm only i'm i just currently would not consider myself christian um do people which we can get into later oh so i'm sorry do other people besides you use the words texts of terror Yes. So the okay. text of terror, the uh, general definition are the parts of the Bible. I think there's eight or nine of them, if I'm remembering correctly, that are frequently used to like towards sexuality, towards queerness, basically okay. saying that you're going to hell. So they're called the text of terror because again, they're full of terror. They're horrible. Gay people. Yeah. They're very homophobic. Um Ugh or they are weaponized for homophobia, I should say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because as a lot of Bible scholars can tell you, anything in the Bible can be read and interpreted in a lot of different ways. 100%, yes. So my, I guess through this time period, I would probably still have considered myself a Christian. And I was still reckoning with the text of terror, reckoning with what it looked like to be a gay Christian. Is that even something that's feasible? Um, So reading a bunch of books like God and the Gay Christian um, by last name is Vines. um, And there are a lot of other like texts talking about like queer Christianity. So yeah, I think during that time I would still consider myself Christian. It was just a reckoning that had to happen um kind of, in your mind were things. you like the bible's misinterpreted the bible's not you know it's not translated correctly like you were saying there's ways different ways it can be translated people who are translating it this way are homophobic so it was like yeah all that kind of mind like how can i make this work because i have to be a christian right because you really thought you had to be a christian or else you're going to hell am i correct yes okay so you were um, trying to figure out how you can be who you are a gay man and also be in the Christianity the way that you knew it. Yes. Okay. Um, and so again, there's a lot of other references. Maybe I'll send some to you to include in the show notes or whatever. Yeah. But for sure. um, there are things like gay or um, 
homosexual wasn't mentioned in the Bible until the 50s. The word that they translated to mean gay is actually talking about a cultural thing that would happen between an older man and a younger man in historical times. And so that's what they were mentioning. They It wasn't talking about gay love. It wasn't talking about mm-hmm. gayness as we know it now. Um, the, yeah. There Man, that, that could be a whole episode in itself. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> but there so are lots let's, of other ideas like that. Where so many things. Yeah. The Bible so, can be read in a lot of different ways. So I was reckoning with reinterpreting the Bible, reinterpreting what my life could look like. And so that was the college experience. So did anyone at this time, besides the first man that you had been intimate with, know that you were gay or going through this deeply like ingrained? Were you doing this by yourself? For the most part, um, I had my current best friend. Um, Her and I actually came out to each other over a bowl of guacamole and a bottle of vodka in high school. (laughs) Okay, so someone did know in high school. Yeah. Um, So we had talked about our feelings towards, you know, the same sex. And so we were both kind of reckoning with that. Um, And she was also raised Christian. And so both of us had lots of conversations about that. Um, And I had, you know, mentioned to some other friends, but I think it was predominantly me by myself doing the research, doing the like. So you um, mentioned to some other friends in college? Yes, mainly. So then... You are going through all this, you're doing all this research, and you come back to this, because you're traveling at this time still within university, right? Yes. Studying abroad. Okay, so then you come back to the States, and you're what, 18, 19? Yeah, yeah, I think And you start attending church again near your university. Yes. Um, Yeah, so I went back, I... So for a while, I had not accepted Christianity. And then I, you know, held hands with a guy abroad and kissed him abroad. And I was like, wow, this feels really holy and separate. And so I kind of was like, maybe I should give Christianity another chance. So I came back, went to churches um, when I came back and it was going fine for a while and I was excited. And then inevitably a lecture or a sermon, I should say, it's not a lecture, it's not a university, a sermon <laughs> would come up that would be preaching basically homophobia and I guess when it originally came up it was about it was mainly about trans people and I'm ashamed to say now but looking back it was very much a we do sad things when we're trying to be the one who's not excluded Mm -hmm. um so me and my trying to not be excluded I was like oh they're only talking about trans people that doesn't include me as a cis gay man um so I think for about a day I was like oh I'm fine and then immediately after that I was like what are you thinking like absolutely not they're excluding you as well like that doesn't include you um and also you're like why do I want to be a part of something that's excluding people who I know and care about like yes very much like I have I had and have trans friends um like how is it that's a whole other reckoning. Like, how are you going to condemn people to hell just because right. of existing? Which of course you, like you said, it lasted a day and you're like, okay, this is not me. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. 
I think it was a very valuable learning. Like, yes. of course, when you were victimized, you were going to want to make somebody else a victim so that you feel better about yourself. Yeah, it sounds really powerful. So, yeah. Um, immediately after that, I was like, nope, we're not doing this anymore. This causes yeah. too much harm to me, to my communities. Um, although I enjoy and probably accept a lot of Christian and other religious ideas about loving others and about loving them, you know, loving your neighbor, um, trying to be a good person, all of those kind of good moral religious values that come from Christianity in that way, maybe you can consider me a Christian, but I think the religious institution itself has a lot that needs to change before I would ever consider myself a Christian again. So Shortly after that, I kind of was telling, I was talking, um, my family is very Christian still. And so I was invited to a men's retreat. Um, Wait a second. I'm sorry. At this Christian point, does brother. your family know? I don't think we even said that. Had you told your family at this point? Yes. So yes, I had. I, I think so. This The timing of this men's retreat in my brain is a little bit fuzzy. I, I think believe it was shortly my family after. had known. Because I think the person who invited you knew that you had come out as bisexual. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Because I originally first came out as bisexual. Why? Um, again, I think it's a shame thing. I really hoped that you could get I could convince still. myself to marry a wife and I would be accepted well, could, by yes. the heteropatriarchy. Right. <laughs> of course you can get married now. I didn't mean that. Actually, at that time, I don't know if it was legal. No, it must have been legal. I think it was like a year or two after it had been legalized in Indiana. Okay, because I was, I was in my mind, I'm thinking of my age too, but we have such a gap. So it's like, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. they knew, and I guess we didn't even go into that at all. If you want to, you're welcome to share how that was, but we don't have to, and we can go into the next. Um, or just how it was for you. Okay. okay. How, was, how was coming out for me or how was? Yeah, just for you. Like, um, how did you experience it? So I think it was really freeing. It felt like a huge weight off of my chest when I was finally able to say like, hey, I am attracted to men and it's not going away. That was huge for me. Um, and so I think that started to shift. And I think even though I only came out as bisexual, I think that was still a huge valuable step for me in, ex in starting to accept who I was and starting mm -hmm. to get rid of some of that shame that I had such a deep seated feeling of. Um. So, yeah, you were able to I start to good. be who you are yeah. and, and again, share that. I, yeah. And again, there were still some difficulties with family coming out. Um, yeah. I'm with sure. somebody saying I should treat men like chocolate and go on a diet. Like, of course, <laughs> coming out has its difficulties, but I think overall it was really valuable. Thank you yep. for sharing that with us. Um, I'm of glad course. that when you did tell people that you were that you were interested in men and it's not going away, which of course it's not going to go away. Um, that it was just a huge relief for you. And you could probably start to heal even more at that point because you weren't hiding. Yeah. I think that was true. people that you like, care about people that you love. Right. People that you want love was, from mm, that one. Yeah. That's yeah. It's hard when the people who you are wanting love from are also the people who are hurting you. Yeah. Um, Doesn't mean they don't love you though. Cause I know they do. Right. Right. Very much so. So uh, then after that, um, you were invited to a men's like Christian retreat. Yes. 
So went on a men's retreat, um, played some games, had some sermons. With a Christian family member, right? Yes. Okay. Newly Christian with a newly Christian family member. Okay. And I specify newly Christian because as a lot of Christians know or anyone adjacent to Christians know, as soon as you are newly Christian, a lot of times you want to start evangelizing and it's almost like you go a hundred percent to Christian um, and you start evangelizing and you start believing very much like black and white things. Um, so I know at that time it was a very black and white ideas for him. Anyways, I went on this men's, men's retreat. The first couple of days were fine. And then on the very last day, there was a sermon basically saying that it is our duty as Christian men to step up, um, to stop being so soft, to take control of the household, to challenge the struggles that we were seeing of queerness being on the rise in society, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And again, this is me freshly coming out, sitting silently in a room full of straight men, not knowing what to say. So I just felt very quiet, very unsure. Um, But my whole body was rebelling. My whole body's rebelling right now, just hearing you say that. So I can't even imagine what that experience was like for you. Yeah. um, My body was revolting very strongly. Anyways, I now I know if I would have been in that room, I would have got up and left. I would have said something. I would have done things differently. Again, at that time, I was just curious what they were going to say. Yeah. So I stayed quiet. We finished the lecture. I was driving home with my family member. And I just couldn't get what was being said out of my head. It was in a loop. Um, And so I kind of brought it up and I was like, is this what you believe as well? And basically he was like, well, do you think that you're able to change your behavior? Do you think that you're able to um, just, you know, shift how you feel about gay men um, or shift how you feel about men, shift the way that you go about your lifestyle so that you can go to heaven because I do love you and I want you in heaven with us. And so again, it was a very like, it was good intention, but intentions versus actions are different things. So intention-wise, it was great. It was from a loving place. Action-wise, it was so harmful and so hurtful. And yeah, I said no. I told him in that conversation, no, I can't really change. I'm a gay man. I'm interested in men. I want to spend my life with a man. But no. No, but period. Mm-hmm. End of story. Yes. Um, so again, yeah, I don't know. Intention. I'm so proud actions. of you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> this is where it's like, like, I can't, I mean, I've known you for so long and I, you know, I know parts of this, but to hear it all out is like, yeah. And how much like, ah, okay. So after that, what happened with your, because that, that is an intense, I don't even want to comment on that experience, you know, for you, you've shared it very, you know, very well, how it was for you. And so from that point, did that shift a lot for you? Yes. Um, short answer. Yes. It shifted a lot. Again, coming out is 
a process that takes years. So I'm not going to say that everything was immediately fixed after that because it wasn't. However, shifting that, being able to have that hard conversation and being able to say, no, I am who I am. And I, if I'm going to go to hell for being that way, then I'm still going to be that way. It was the first time I had really like taken my sexuality, held it and felt certain about, you know, this fact that like being gay was a part of me. So after that, um, I continued and, you know, it was very much a learning and unlearning. I don't think I regularly went to church. Did you Um, still consider yourself a Christian? Or were you trying to be a Christian? So I think it was a battle after that where I still was hoping that I think at that point in time, I probably would have considered myself a Christian and I would have just challenged the way that my family member was going about his Christianity. Um, But I think shortly after that, I attended some more church sermons and the homophobia continued to happen. And so I kind of just eventually decided my religion is going to be my own. I will be spiritual. I will be religious to the extent that I want to be religious and I will reclaim my relationship with God, the universe, um, and let that be what it is. I still embrace the platinum rule, um, which isn't the golden rule saying that treat others the way you want to be treated. It's treat others the way that they want to be treated, which I think is a valuable distinction. And I want to embrace a loving ethic. So loving others as much as possible and holding them accountable to their values. And loving ourselves too, right? So I'm Oh, so much. So then from there, as you're kind of pulling back from the Christianity piece, and you're when did you when did you feel like because you're 26 years old now, right? So yes. when did you feel like you were stepping into this like embodiment of like I am a gay man and I am I'm fine with that. I think the full acceptance probably came junior, senior year of high school, probably senior or not high school, senior year of college. Okay. Um, so, so around 22. Yeah. 21, 22. So it's probably been a four, four year process since then. Okay. So, so I feel more grounded and whole in who I am now than I ever have been before. Marcus, thank you so much for sharing like that whole story with us. I, that's a big story to share. And I'm, I'm truly grateful for that. And I really hope that people I know people will find deep value in it. And I think there's so much in sharing our stories that's really healing for others to hear, no matter where people are in their lives. I would love to kind of end with you just letting us know, like, as you have left the Christian religion and you are leaning into spirituality, you're leaning into like this massive, like, we well, are leaning into a personal development, like expansion journey, um, healing journey. Like, what does that look like for you? What does that feel like for you? Yeah. So I think a lot of my practices are or do revolve around Reiki or meditation Um, that kind of or like going out in nature. A lot of it is getting quiet and kind of listening to my body, um, listening to what's going on around me. Um, I've done, you know, readings with intuitives and readings with you and things like that. Um, And I think there's 
yeah, I think there's a lot of practices like that that I've started to embrace. Um, also a lot of reading, a lot of books about spirituality, about um, mental, emotional health and intelligence, um, about holistic health and healing and all the ways. Um, so I think all of those things. And again, I still am doing a lot of reading about queerness and gay love because I think that heals the little inner child in me that needs it. Yes. And how has that like, how has that felt different for you than like growing up? It, it feels like it's very much like going internal and learning to accept who you are and loving who you are. Yeah. So I feel like when I, if, when I did anything like that in childhood, it was a form of escape mm. and it doesn't feel that way anymore. It feels like when I'm reading a book or um, sitting silently with myself, it feels reflective and it feels like I am embodying love and wholeness and actually yes. sitting present in my body versus like trying home. to run away from it. Yeah. Yes. Very much, very much yeah. coming home to myself. I love that. Well, is there anything else you want to add or share with the audience? I don't think so. Do what lights you up. Um, if something feels harmful, reflect on why it feels harmful and see if it's actually working in your best interest. What about for teens or people who are like questioning and or maybe are deep in the Christian religion, but are like, oh, my gosh, I don't belong here. Um, or maybe I feel like I have to belong here. So I need to change myself to fit into this. Like, do you have anything? I have so many thoughts. <laughs> um, if you're having to change yourself to fit into an environment, you probably don't belong in that environment. That would be number one. Um, number two, if you feel like you are some version of queer, I fully support you embracing that. Um, embracing my queerness has probably been the greatest gift of my life um, because it has allowed me to feel love that I never would have felt for myself, for others allowed myself to feel love from others um mm -hmm. it's such a gift and also it allows me to question and come to my own conclusions a lot um which is valuable and necessary yes okay well thank you so much i look forward to a part two maybe a part three with you so i really appreciate you sharing this story and um yeah i'm just excited to <laughs> have it out there so um, you can connect with Marcus. Um, his links are in the show notes and his bio. So feel free to reach out to him. Thank you so much, Marcus. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for hopping on today. I would love to know your favorite takeaway from this episode. You can find me on Instagram at a nourishing place or let me know in your review. Community is so important to me and within a nourishing place. I would love to connect with you further. Sending you so many blessings and so much love.